KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show, presented by Schleider Painting and Home Improvement Company. Schleider Painting, here's your host, Scott Mosby, on KMOX. All right, good morning, good Saturday. It's actually a pretty decent day, but a little frost on the pumpkin. Yeah, literally, holy smokes, chilly indeed, early... Well, I don't know. Summer went right into winter. Uh, perhaps. Scott Mosby, two hours, home improvement, how to keep our domicile. I can spell that word, I promise, I, on good authority that I might not, but I can. Sp- how to keep our homes warm, comfortable, proper humidity, as well as safe. Yeah, safe. We're going to talk about that, how to keep our homes safe from the outdoor security to the indoor home health that has to do with our furnaces, water heaters, gas appliances, our electrical appliances, how all of those things interact and work for us or in some cases against us. Phone lines, 10 of them wide open for you, 314-436-7900, all together now. Come on, let's sing it in harmony. You uh, you take the high, yeah, yeah, a little bit, yeah, falsetto up there. 314-436-7900, 436 little silly, but, you know, it is what it is. And then toll-free anywhere on the globe, if you've got an Internet connection, We can put you together here, 800-925-1120, 800-925-1120. Topic today is staying put in your home, whether it's cold outside, warm outside, whatever it is, how that home really gets fitted for comfort, safety, as well as security. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. My name is Scott Mosby. My wife and I own Mosby Building Arts. We are in our 70-plus year, uh, founded in 1947 by my father. We are a full licensed architecture firm in the state of Missouri, so we provide any and all types of residential design. And then we have a full uh, cadre of various specialists and certified kitchen design, certified bath design, universal design, certified professional, uh, certified aging in place specialists, interior designs, colorants, all the people that study and love design. Uh, At our very core, though, Mosby Building Arts is a construction company. We learned over the years, as did my father, that coupling the design team together with the construction team brings the best project and process and the highest customer satisfaction because you kind of put one or two teams on one and you wind up with the client and an accountable team answerable only to the client, not the architect outside or the third party, whatever it is. So again, and then within that design team, we bring in all the other disciplines of design, uh, coloration, um, furnishings, that sort of thing, lighting specialists, whatever it takes. 314-436-7900 and 800-925-1120. The DNA of Mosby Building Arts is a bunch of really smart kind of building science people. When I say building science, we took it to the level uh, beyond putting things together of actually studying 
finding out what the manufacturer's recommended instructions are for putting them together and then going one step further and, and looking because if you put that manufacturer's product together and you do product B, which is also installed to that product manufacturer's instructions, sometimes they don't get along. And the building science is the interaction, positive or negative, between those two. Have any of you heard of mold, indoor air quality, uh, mildew, um, sick house syndrome, um, uh, HRV, heat recovery ventilators, ERV, energy recovery, all those things are from shooting ourselves in the foot with approved, very creative, high-value manufactured products, but they didn't get along. So about 20, 25 years ago when this uh, building science started to get real big, uh, we had uh, in the state of Missouri, St. Louis, and really the whole Midwest, any place it gets cold, we were building very tight houses. And then they would rot. Five-year home, five-year-old homes literally structurally rotted and failed, and they were worth a negative amount of money because we built the house too tight. In the St. Louis area, if you can hear my voice, our air is wet, saturated, close. You feel that feel, you know that that feeling of close and humidity. The air literally carries water and moisture in vapor form. So if you build a house too tight, you're literally trapping water vapor inside the wall cavities. And then if you don't let it get out and dry, your house rots. You have uh, respiratory illnesses. You have an inordinate amount of allergies, things like that. Anyway, that's how I wound up on KMOX. This is my 23rd year. Um, I have a whole bunch of people around me that are really smart. They keep me accountable. I listen to them. They listen to me. And together, we try and figure out what the better mousetrap is for putting stuff together. We're going to talk about that and share that knowledge and information with you, good, bad, and ugly. Because full disclosure, I and my team 30 years ago built a lot of this stuff wrong that we're answering and talking about today because the logical knowledge level at that point was just there. So, you know, we're not a bunch of fantastic Boy Scouts. We just learned that, by golly, if we weren't part, part of the solution, we continued to be part of the problem, and that's really the difference of experience. So if you've got the experience, consider me. For you that are listening, do-it-yourselfers, uh, those that have to depend on contractors, architects, and designers to get all this done for you, uh, well, think of us as pre-disastered. Yeah, we, we've kind of made all these mistakes, most of them. We've got a few more we're working on right now. But again, we really study what's the right way and what could be the unintended consequences because we look into the science of that. And we've got a bunch of gurus that uh, actually, believe it or not, uh, around the state of Minnesota, uh, Idaho, University of Idaho, um, a, a lot of guys that really just study these things. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Enough of me. Now we're going to talk about you. We've got some questions about humidity, flooring, uh, door locks, all on the radio line right now for phone calls 314-436-7900-800-925-1120 my name is scott mosby i am at your service here on KMOX. the pitch kmox is the exclusive cardinal station when the cards take a break we're talking baseball on the munganas st louis honda sports open line weeknights at 6 15 on the voice of the cardinals 
All right, when it comes to mortgage, we're talking about pre-disaster. People that have experience keep you and them out of trouble. They've been doing this for six decades, over 60 years. St. Louis' oldest independent mortgage lender. Does that matter? Well, I don't know, just a pile of money, your biggest asset maybe? You know, a mortgage, a big deal in your life? Maybe it's time to call Gershman Mortgage, 314-889-0600. Why? Multiple generations of families listening to my voice have depended on, been served by, and returned back to Gershman Mortgage over and over and over because they know what they're doing. Nine St. Louis Metro locations to serve you. So right in your backyard, over 60 years in the mortgage industry, closing on time, every time, unmatched service. They know how things go. And you know what? They've seen most things that don't go right. So they think about them up front. That's the advantage of experience. Or you can just go with somebody. They, you know, you've heard all the names. They come, they go, they come, they go, they come. Gershman Mortgage, 314-889-0600, the home team. Gershman Mortgage, NMLS number 138063, 16253 Swing Road, Suite 400, Chesterfield, Missouri, 63017, equal housing. Lender, remember the phone number, 314-889-0600. Now, back to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show, sponsored in part by Schleider Painting and Home Improvement Company on St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. All right, Scott Mosby, home with you here in the Home Improvement Show, uh, sponsored by Schleter Painting. This is the Helitech Home Improvement Show. We've got two hours today, good things happening throughout the Midwest. I urge you to get out of your home, get outside. It's going to be a pretty good weekend. It worked out pretty well for temperatures, a little sunshine, all that. Uh, and let's see what's happening. Get started and visit with my friend Linda. Linda, good morning. Welcome to KMOX. How can I help? Um, hi, um, I was wondering about um, humidifiers and if you can, I've used them in the winter just to help with my dry hands and stuff like that, but how can you add those to a current heater? Uh, to your furnace, uh, forced air maybe? Right. Yes. Oh, Linda, you're in the right place, right time, and at the right season. Uh, as you raise the temperature of air, the relative humidity drops. So the air seems to get dry, although it still has the same amount of molecules and moisture in it. When you heat it up, all those molecules move further apart, so there's less moisture in a cubic foot of air. You following me so far? So that's, Correct, right. that, that's where everything gets dry. Even your wood gets dry. Your cabinets don't like it. Your hardwood floors don't like it. They have the same issues. Your wood trim at the corners, all that wood shrinks. Those joints open up. Uh, you know, so I mean, it's not just you and me on dry skin. There are just a lot of reasons why humidity. And in, in the Midwest, when humidity runs 50, 60, 70% pretty much all the time, if you dry it out with a forced air furnace or a, you know, a boiler and you raise that temperature without adding more moisture, you're making that wood and that whole structure expand and contract. And, and that's where you get those creaks and those bumps and sometimes sounds with houses and structures that sound like shotgun shells. Adding a humidifier, not only, <laughs> kind of like not only is a good idea, which I really endorse, endorse uh, call your furnace, a uh, heating and cooling mechanical company. Um, there are several types that go on your furnace uh, and there, you know, you pay for what you get, you know, so it costs according to the value. At the very basic, there are wet media 
humidifiers that put a lot of moisture in the air. They're pretty inexpensive, but they kind of have sponges that turn and they pull the moisture up into the air and then blow the, some, they divert some of the furnace forced air through that humidifier across that wet media and then raise the humidity as it goes out. The problem with that is that sponge media stays wet all the time. And, you know, so you start warming up, moist, dark, you get some not so good consequences. So that wet media, although effective and cheap, they've kind of gone, then you go one step better, you get into the waterfall. Uh, one brand you might recognize is April Air. They pretty much have a kind of a metal thing, corrugated type medium, and they just drip the water past it so that once the, the humidity, once it turns off, the water doesn't run into it. When the furnace goes off, so does the waterfall. So that uh, is less effective in raising and adding a ton of humidity to the air. Uh, top of the line, steam humidifiers. Uh, when there are fine art collections, when you get into some of the finer homes and people that really uh, invest in collector furniture, art, um, or medical things, uh, very, very common in Dr. Prescribed, the steam humidifier, it's kind of like that you know, $10, $12 thing we grew up with only put into the furnace. Every year, those need maintenance. All three of these items need a yearly annual check. Uh, the first one I really don't recognize the, or recommend the waterfall and the steam are big. Uh, nowadays, with your computer or Wi-Fi thermostats, you can uh, set your humidity from away from home and a relative humidity somewhere around 35 to 45 percent is where I keep mine. I have a steam humidifier, love it, um, and uh, my house is quieter just because of the creeks, and there are fewer home repairs from touching up, you know, things that move like cabinet doors and such. And can you give me any kind of idea of, for the two that you recommend, the waterfall or the steam humidifier, like, does it depend on the square footage of your house as far yes. as how much they cost? Or Yes, just like a furnace. If you have a big house, you need a big furnace. If you have a big house, you need a big humidifier. Or sometimes you have multiple furnaces. You have multiple, you put a humidifier on each one. But even on small, uh, a regular single unit uh, systems, sometimes adding a second a humidifier if you do the April air. Uh, steam humidifiers purchase out anywhere from 800 to 1200 material costs. You add another 400 in, five to install it because that requires an electrical outlet. Your April air installs somewhere from 400 to 800 total. Material cost is only two or three at the most on those units. Um, and then your hum the moving media is really hard to find now because it just isn't a healthy thing. P you know, you leave that for gotcha. a, a season, it's just bad mojo. Gotcha. Okay, great. You, that's been really helpful. I really appreciate it. Yeah, Linda, I, again, if you're really playing for keeps, it's a steam humidifier, but you need, a, you need somebody. Once you put this thing on your furnace, uh, you need a relationship with a heating and cooling company that comes once a year at least. Okay, great. Thanks so much. Thanks, Lane. A good question for getting us going here this morning on this beautiful Saturday morning. University of KMOX in St. Louis. Uh, phone lines are open. I'm a little, uh, yeah, a little yeah, here by myself. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. If you've got that pocket question, you've been saving for that guy on KMOX. Now's the time. Let's see what's happening with my friend D. Hey, D. good morning. How can I help you? <laughs> 
I was wondering about uh, pergo flooring. Mm-hmm. You hear, uh, I used to hear about it advertised. I don't hear about it anymore. What about uh, the kitchen and hallways? Do you recommend it for that? There are composite floors. They call it, <laughs> well, D, here's a little secret about our industry. Once you figure out what it is, we change the name of it. So it used to be called composite or laminate flooring because the plastic surface on the top was laminated to a substrate. Now laminate floor describes kind of a plywood type material, so it's a little different. There are floors like the Pergo, many um, of those. Uh, Pergo is kind of a composite where they mush up a whole bunch of wood products, smash them into high, high pressure, and then cook them into a solid straight flat board. It's a good material but it really requires um, no moisture. So the kitchen and a bathroom is not a suitable place for those materials. Um, If you wanted to put it in the hallway, it is. Uh, Laminate flooring, which when you probably bought your Pergo or whatever, uh, that was called laminate. Now that describes a plywood, and those plywood materials are suitable for a kitchen and even recommended for kitchens and bathrooms because a little bit of the wood grain goes this way and then the other ply goes the other way and this ply goes back the other way. So it's a little more resistant to getting kind of renegade and getting out of line on you. So, yes, they are. I just would uh, not necessarily use a composite-type wood product in a wet location like a kitchen. Thank you very much. You bet, Dee. Thanks for the question. Bye. Bye. Now, back to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show, sponsored in part by Schleter Painting and Home Improvement Company on St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. All right, we are 1130 hour here, Home Improvement, KMOX, Scott Mosby, truly at your service. Happy to be here. I love this. 23 years of this. I was very intimidated when first invited to be part of KMOX. Holy smokes. Man, no margin for error. People could, you know, what if I give them the wrong answer? Now, you know, what do I do? Oh, that. So, you know what? I finally learned that nobody can have all the answers, number one. There are sometimes multiple answers to one question and sometimes multiple questions within one question. And then I learned, my gosh, we've got, you know, thirty to 50,000 people listening. They've got some experience. If we just have a forum and put together our best answers and discuss it and then explain the science and the physics behind all of this stuff, we could really have some fun on CAMOX. And there we go, University of CAMOX. Scott Mosby, let's see what's cooking with my friend Greg. Hey, Greg, good morning. Welcome to the forum. How can, you, how can I help, sir? Good morning. I was just wondering about the pros and cons of a ventless water heater. I have a multiple-family building, um, like a two-family. I have four. I have two furnaces and two water heaters going through the same chimney flue. And I'm wondering about, you know, more efficiency with that and getting a ventless water heater and just pushing it to the outside through the wall. And I just didn't know what the pros and cons of ventless water heaters were. You can help me out with that. Yeah, Greg, uh, I think you're uh, describing properly a tankless water heater. Uh, It would be vented uh, through the wall, uh, usually mounted on an exterior wall, gas-fired, high-tech, And think of it as an 18-wheeler for water heaters. So it will make a lot of water forever. 
The issue is it has to be highly engineered like an 18-wheeler over-the-road truck, that it's got to be exactly mm-hmm. the right size. That's important. So uh, it takes some engineering. Uh, it takes the right sizing. And I will say, especially for rentals, uh, I would probably, you'd still likely wind up with two, maybe three of these things in your unit for those rentals. And likely you would wind up with what's now called a hybrid, which means you're going to have a five or 10 gallon tank, or maybe the engineering shows you, well, we'll put one 30 gallon conventional water heater and then, you know, to hold that hot water. And then before that, we'll preheat it with a tankless water heater. So once that thing gets going, the tanked water heater might run out of hot water, but the backup one, so the tank would provide the right now instant water and then the tankless, uh, the on-demand water heater or heaters might, you know, heat it all up. The issue is when you get four units with potentially four, five, or six showers going at the same time, you're still going to run out or potentially run out of water depending upon how much water flow comes out of those shower heads. Uh, Operating cost, um, much less than tanked water heaters. A little bit of the convenience, a little bit less because there's no hot water tank to draw water out. And when you turn on the hot water, you still have that long line of, of supply pipe that where the cold water comes and comes and comes and comes 30 seconds later you get it um, so you still have that whether it's an on-demand tankless or a tanked water here you'll still have that the issue is the engineering behind so i would look into it i'm 50 50 for a rental unit whether you would actually do that the operating costs would be less but also the maintenance and the oversight of that greg is going to be higher you're going to wind up explaining why they're looking in the basement and there's no water heater and you know what landlord you know forgot the water heater and you know and you're going to explain that over and over it it happens when you go to sell some of the buyers don't know what those things are either so eh, i'm 50 50 as to whether you'd really wind up putting them in okay yeah i was looking at the operating cost on it and and i guess my last part of that question was how much retrofitting or you know or in terms of electrical, am I going to have to do to do that? Because I was looking at the, at the gas version, but there is some electrical retrofitting required with that as well. Is, is that Yes, true? sir. Yes, sir. Good question, because it's an electronic furnace, so it has an electronic... Um, well, not an electronic igniter, but it does have uh, controls that operate. It's a computer and a blast furnace, so you will have 120-volt standard electric to it. And, and then your, you know, and then your gas, you might have, uh, you may, may need to upsize your gas service for that unit because you're, you're lessening uh, perhaps the electrical unit if you had electric water heaters. But you're talking about a ton of gas coming through when those babies are full bore. Okay, and if I lose electrical power in the in the in that neighborhood, they're going to lose hot water as well. Correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Sometimes that's okay. the issue because, or you go back to one because they're high tech. They don't really have pilot lights, um, you know, for the gas. So they have igniters that turn that, you know, just like a new furnace would. Uh, but sure. operating costs because you're not heating water overnight when nobody's using hot water, uh, you could have thirty, forty percent less operating costs. But you could easily have thirty. 40 percent more time explaining to your uh, tenants why you know why what they're looking at doesn't look like a water heater okay thank you very much i appreciate it great question greg there's a lot of experience behind that answer all right bye now. thank you so much okay 
and and pain as well. So uh, we've installed these tankless on-demand water heaters, and you've seen them. You've used them. They're in your life multiple times. Into a restaurant, you walk in, especially a fast food restaurant, there'll be a little box on the wall. It looks like a big soap dispenser under the sink. And it's only connected to one side. It's just heating the hot water. But the on-demand, you only have about 18 inches of pipe from that water heater. On-demand doesn't have any hot water. But within about five seconds, you will. So you run out two seconds of water in the pipe and another five. You know, you get hot water pretty quickly on those on-demand. They're very small, run on 120 volts. And the issue, if you're building a new home, new structure, on-demand, you can actually have these little water heaters at each lavatory sink location and near the shower location. So you lose that 40 seconds of cold pipe if you don't have an instant hot water piping system that has a return pipe on it and all that. Those of you that have them, love them. Those that don't probably don't know what I'm talking about. But the issue is uh, they're they're really nice units. They operate well, um, and there are advantages for them. Uh, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. See what's happening with Frank. Hey, Frank, good morning. Welcome to KMOX, my friend. How can we help? Oh, yes. I have a problem with the uh, dehumidifiers. Yes, sir. Why don't they last? uh, Well, I have a basement full of used and not working dehumidifiers. And they, when I get a new one, they only last for one year or sometimes two years. By further up the food chain, Frank, uh, if you get humidifiers and they aren't lasting more than one year, um, there's either something wrong with your circuitry or whatever, but these humidifiers are really low tech. No, sir, I, sir, I'm talking the dehumidifier. Oh, dehumidifier. Yes. Okay, I'm with you there. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. I understand exactly your dehumidifiers trying to dry out your basement don't last for more than a year. Uh, I've got a newsflash for you. You may be running it too hard or buy a bigger dehumidifier. And frankly, the when you operate those things 24 hours a day, seven days a week, or 365 days a year in St. Louis, you may just wear those things out. You may need to spend seven or $800 for a professional dehumidifier fire or 2000 to, to really get something that you don't have to replace because you know 150 250 dollars on a retail sold dehumidifier for a wet basement or damp basement in the middle of the summer in st louis uh i feel your pain i know exactly what you're talking about they just aren't engineered and built to last more than multiple seasons when you have a whole when you're really using them hard so oh i, I see yeah, I don't have yeah, any good, okay. no silver boot bullet for you, brother. I I feel your pain. I know exactly what you're talking about. But by golly, in St. Louis, where it seldom gets below 50% relative humidity, you can just run that dehumidifier to death in the summertime. It just, yeah. It, yeah. Okay, you answered my question. Thank you very much. All right, Frank, thank you. Bye now. Okay, bye-bye. And there you go. We went from humidifiers adding moisture in the winter 
not in the summer. We golly don't need more humidity in the summer, but adding humidity, moisture in the winter, because again, as I explained, once you raise the temperature, okay, here we go, uh, physics 101. I, I do have phone lines open here too, so 314-436-7900, So bring on those calls, all those pocket questions you've been saving for, you know, a month for when you're by the phone and in the house and anyway, bring it on. Um, humidity, relative humidity. Let's pretend you fill up a basketball with air and it's got X amount of cubic feet of air in it and we're just ignoring the pressure. When you push that air into that basketball, you also push in molecules of moisture. So that humidity in a sealed confined space basketball is going to stay consistent regardless of the pressure. But when you let it out of the basketball and it's just free air, ambient air, as you heat up the air in your house, as you heat up the air in our backyard, in our world, all those molecules move further apart because the air and the mo all that expands. So in a cubic foot of air, 12 by 12 by 12 inch box, when you heat up that same amount of air, you have less molecules in that space. You still have the same molecules, but they're now further apart, and they just went all out into space. So that's why in the wintertime we need to add moisture, water vapor, humidity, and, and why it's called relative humidity because the moisture doesn't add or subtract or go. It's just how much moisture is in a relative space um, and measured. Uh, the uh, way of measuring that is a hygrometer, H-Y-G-R-O, uh, meter, hygro, meter, not hydro, never figured that out, hygrometer. Uh, anyway, leave it to the scientists to come up with those words. But that's what measures how fast the moisture evaporates on a sling hygrometer. And then there are all kinds of digital things that can get really accurate. Anyway, the, suffice it to say you need to add moisture in the wintertime, and then we had our friend uh, Frank calling saying, my dehumidifier doesn't last much more than one a year or a year and a half, and that's because we have so much relative humidity. That got into my whole spiel at the beginning of the outlet, at the beginning of the hour of how we're building scientists and physics all matters and trying to figure this stuff. That's the truth. Um, so buying a dehumidifier around this part of the country you almost need to go to a professional version and instead of 150 to 250 in a retail store, you're going to spend something like, you know, $2,000 to get one of these puppies installed on a furnace. Uh, we do that sometimes when we have unusual structures. Uh, we got involved in that when we had um, some of those very tight homes. It, 20 years ago, we were trying to drop the moisture in those wall cavities. Anyway, you don't need to hear all that, but we've been there and back and there and back, and we know uh, the mistakes and how to fix them, and we caused some of those 30 years ago, so I know what we're talking about. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Scott Mosby, at your service here on KMOX. Now, back to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show, sponsored in part by Schleter Painting and Home Improvement Company on St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. All right, Scott Mosby, wrapping up our one home improvement. I'm a little lonely here in the Studio B right here. Uh, bring it on, 314-436-7900. We've been clipping off some pretty intelligent questions. Wow. 
a great show going on today. So we've got, you know, we've got to keep this momentum going uh, until we get the uh, retire ready, the one o'clock uh, um, show here on Kim Wex. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. I promised we're going to talk about health. Uh, safety and security, as well as some of the building science behind all that. Well, we've got uh, health uh, with the question one, humidifier, laminate flooring, pergo. Where did it go? Is it still around? Tankless water heaters. And then Frank with a dehumidifier question. Boy, howdy, I think we're getting around uh, some pretty smart stuff here. So bring on, we need some good questions from smart listeners. We've got, and you're all smart listeners. You are the smartest listeners in Radio Land. 314 436 7900 800 Next up, my friend Mike. Hey, Mike, good morning. How can I help you, my friend? Yes, good morning, Scott. Thank, first of all, thank you for your show. And uh, I've got a two story house with a bathroom on the second floor and a bathroom in the basement. There is no bathroom on the first floor, the first level. And one. We flushed the toilet the last couple of days when we flushed the toilet on the second floor. It seems like it's either sucking from the or pulling from the basement bathroom, almost flushing the toilet in the basement. Yeah. Somebody had said that that's uh, maybe a problem with the stack or the vent, maybe clogged or something. If Can I get your uh, thoughts on that? Yeah, Mike, I totally agree. If there if there's a vent pipe in your basement bathroom at all, uh, mm-hmm. was that basement bathroom added after construction or 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 uh, built with a permit and all that stuff? I believe it was added after construction. Okay, here's this is a very and it's, I'm doing a house only. Uh, a little over a year, so I don't know all the history, but I'm sure it was at it later. Okay, here's the, here's the science. This and this will all make sense when I tell you. Um, when you flush that toilet on the second floor, uh, that's a, um, a bolus in medical term or a copious. A ton of water fills up that pipe and flows down with gravity force. So you've got a slug, a bullet of water dropping two stories, and it's drawing an incredible pressure. Uh, as it's uh, dropping that pipe in the air or the vent pipe going out your roof. That's the purpose mm-hmm. of the vent. It's make-up air for that moving slug of water, as it's called. Right. When that water goes cranking past <clears throat> your toilet, first off, it's pushing pressure in front of it. But since that goes all the way down to the street and then out to MSD or septic, whatever, it's doing fine. But once that slug of water passes that basement bathroom, that toilet... If that toilet had or has a, an effective and properly sized vent pipe, when that water goes flying by from the second floor toilet, it will draw a vacuum behind mm-hmm. it as well for the pipe above. But the mm-hmm. pipe above is properly vented. If there's no vent, which is very common in DIY uh, later added bathrooms, people don't know the importance of these. Uh-huh. And now when you get uh, really well-plumbed houses where you've got everything sloped right, sized right, you can literally draw the water out of that basement bowl. Yeah, f- and that's pretty much what's happening, I believe. Yeah, you, I, I would bet there's a <laughs> 70% probability from your dis- you know description, I'm guessing here, that you don't have a vent pipe because most vent pipes, it's hard to plug them up. You have to get you know squirrels or mice or birds yeah. or something. I'll bet you a nickel. There's just no vent pipe, and if it's there, it's prop. It could be too small to where that big hunk of water from the second floor, especially if you've got one of those old three and a half gallon tank toilets, 
Uh-huh. Man, it, it really, we're talking some serious pressure ahead of that water slug behind. And then once that water slug passes the pipe connection for that basement toilet, it's drawing pressure. It's drawing, you know, it's trying to equalize right. that vacuum. So, yeah. How come that just started now, though? I mean, been in the house over a year and has never had a problem like uh, that before. I, I ponder with that sometimes. I would propose maybe it has been happening and you're just not aware of it. Or okay. maybe you do have a, a properly sized vent pipe and it is plugged up. It can uh-huh. happen. How old is your house, Mike? Uh, I don't really know. Uh, uh, you've got a guess on the thing. What 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 kind of pipes are in the basement? Are they cast iron or plastic? Uh, plastic. Okay, your 1970s roughly or newer. So that's smooth pipe. Um, uh, sometimes when you get 1940s and 50s and cast iron pipes, those old cast iron stacks, they start to scale on the inside and they can fall with a scale and block that, uh, that vent. Okay. But with plastic pipes, most commonly... You know, your problem is because that water is just dropping with such velocity down that sleek, clean surface of that plastic pipe. Right, and that's going through the same, I mean, that's coming right down, straight down past the basement bathroom, because I mean, they're both in a line, actually, and it yeah. would all be all lined up. Yeah, I promise and, you, it is a vent problem. You have, you've get, gotten good advice, uh, but right. it's going to take a semi-rocket science uh, plumber to figure out how to get one, and the reason that these vents don't go in is, number one, the engineering, you have to understand that, typically a licensed plumber, and then you've got to get it above the flow line. So if you put your vent, if you just come up with a pipe coming up from that toilet drain, and then you just raise it up seven inch, seven feet, then the lavatory on the first floor may be dumping water down that vent and the stack, you know. So again, mm-hmm. you've got to mm-hmm. get that vent pipe, if you're tying it into that vent, you have to get it all the way running two stories, tie it back in usually above the fixtures in the second floor bathroom which usually defaults to uh let's run it all the way up to the attic tie it together there yeah uh-huh is there normally an access or is this going up on the roof and going down the pipe the vent uh usually up on the roof through the shingles and a right. flashing thing there so you should be able to see that pipe there but right you, yeah. your basement if you go around and you look at the wall behind that toilet if there's mm. not two pipes coming straight are if there aren't two pilots pi- pipes coming up vertically within a couple of feet of each other if there's only the one stack then right. you're, you're unvented and 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 that's important yeah. Is this causing any kind of damage? Or, I mean, I want to get it obviously checked and fixed, but it's nothing like an emergency or, I mean, like you said, because it, it could have been happening for quite some time, I guess, and maybe just a notice. Well, I've got a couple answers for you. Number one, I'm surprised that it didn't show up in your home inspection, or maybe it did and say, please, you know, please check whether this toilet is properly vented. Oftentimes right. they're That's not. what I was just thinking, because we had a professional home inspection, you know, before the property was purchased. Yeah, and those so. guys, the good ones, they understand what I'm saying. They almost right. always put a disclaimer in there saying, make sure you get this. It looks like it's an added bathroom. Maybe it's not yep. vented. So I'll bet you a nickel it's in your report. Um, uh-huh. And then number two, only if it sucks that bowl dry and you've got um, you know sewer gas coming into your basement. Right. It's explosive. That's methane. You know, so yeah. it can ignite by your water heater. Yada yada yada. So yeah. 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 And when you go to sell this house. <laughs> Uh, they, you got by with one lucky break on the seller not 
identifying this, or maybe you've got a vent and everything's cool and you just have to open the pipe, too. Right, right, because, I mean, that could be leaves or anything yeah. from a bird or a squirrel or something on the roof, I guess. Yeah, right. and if the house was uh, unoccupied during right before the time, like sometimes houses are unoccupied for a year, right. those critters move in, they find all kinds of little nice places. Yeah, yeah. no, the house was occupied right, right until... You know, right before we moved in. So, yeah. okay, great. Thank you. Thank you for the time and your advice, Scott. Thanks, Mike. Bye now. Okay, so long. Bye. And there we go. A lot of inf- information there. It was kind of fun. Um, and uh, let's see if we can uh, sneak uh, Ron in here. Hey, Ron, good morning. Welcome to KMOX. I've only got about 50 seconds. How can you help Hi, us? Hi, good morning. I have a tip on uh, buying uh, dehumidifiers. Buy them at the end of the year when they're on sale. And purchase the extended warranty, which is only sometimes in a two or three hundred dollar uh, item uh, is only about ten dollars, and you get a couple of three years extra, and you can get four or five years out of uh, a dehumidifier. And Ron, before you go, when is the end of the year for a de- for a humidifier? A dehumidifier. Oh, dehumi- well, either one. The dehumidifier. The end of the year for a dehumidifier would be right now. Okay. Yes, sir. At the end because- of the summer. The end of the summer, and gotcha, they man. put them on clearance. Cool. Hey, thanks, Ron. And you can still buy the warranty. Yep. All right. Extended warranty. Thanks, Ron. Appreciate it, brother. You, you, you got it, man. Bye. Bye. And that's a dehumidifier. So for drying the air in a basement, Ron's saying, just buy the extended warranty for these things that wear out all the time. That's a brilliant thing. Uh, we've got uh, Hour 2 coming up here on KMOX. Stay tuned. News, weather, and sports next.